0: This is the Beyond Mission podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. And this year we're exploring the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament and we're we're calling a chrono-geobiological flow. That is, we're following the chronology of the book of Acts and then veering off to the places or people or topics addressed in the book of Acts. And, And this is one of those weeks when we again veer off the narrative in the book of Acts. Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts are in the midst of their first missionary journey, and it's taking them into what we call modern-day Turkey, Galatia at the time. And in that region, there was a city of Colossae. I don't know that, that Paul ever visited there for sure, but we're going to take a look at this week's long study at the book of Colossians. But in particular today, we're going to talk about Philemon. And it was a he was a wealthy businessman who lived in that city of Colosse. So that's a long introduction to say we're doing Philemon today, and I, I'm really excited. I have a, a guest with me, and he is my brother-in-law, my wife Lisa's brother, Mark Frizz. He is a dear friend of mine, a brother in Christ. Welcomed me into the family. 40 years ago when when Lisa and I were getting engaged and ready to be married. And so I am grateful. Mark, Mark, thank you for coming. I I do appreciate it. Oh, it's a great privilege to be here, Mark. You know, we've had a lot of good times together over the years, in particular showing up at your family's farm at Thanksgiving time and splitting wood together. And then we always managed to get in a couple of runs to go for a yes. run together and spend time talking about life and liberty and, theology and, and things like that. Other. Yeah. Yeah. It was, so it's a, it's really an honor to have you here. And I know that you've done, uh, you're, you're a pastor. You've been a pastor for a long time, 40. I've, I was ordained in 1980. So yeah, 43 that's, years. That's yeah. pretty amazing. Um, a long, long time and has had tremendous ministries over all those years, Mark, you retired so that you could um, now preach at a church every week. Is that? <laughs>
1: well, yeah, I I retired, and then um, it just so happened that a friend of mine asked me to come out and preach for him while he's on vacation, and then um, he retired from his position, and the church asked me if I would stick with him. So that's
0: that's really that's really cool because you have so much in you to to share, and I I'm always lifted up when. I talked to you. So today we're going to talk about this little book of Philemon and, and let's just, let me just start off with some questions. I know that you've done some work on, on Philemon over the years and, and, and talked a lot about this book and what it was about. So tell me just, who was this guy? Who, who was Philemon?
1: Yeah, he was, like you said, he was a wealthy businessman. There was a house church that met in his home I believe that uh he was converted by the apostle Paul when he met Paul in Ephesus and he brought the faith back to Colossae, probably was one of the first believers in Colossae, and started up this church in his home.
0: So he he was a believer. Now this this book is also it's it's titled Philemon, but it's it's also about this man named Onesimus. Who who was he? He's a
1: runaway slave. Um he, I believe that, I mean, what, what we have in this book is we sort of like come into the movie in the middle of the movie and we have to figure
0: out the beginning and the end. But, um, by the way, I hate that. I hate it. I hate coming into a movie late and I hate stopping a movie before. So, yeah, <laughs>
1: some people like they start, they they get tired in the middle of the movie and go to bed. I, I, I can't do that, but I believe that he, he ran away and he also stole things from his master. And uh, you can just envision him putting him in a knapsack, uh, getting on ships and traveling over mountains and things to get to Rome, where the Apostle Paul was uh, under house arrest, waiting for his appeal to Caesar. And I, I believe that during that time, he met Paul through some circumstances that we probably don't understand or know and became a friend of Paul's. And now Paul is sending this runaway slave back to his master and trying to reconcile the two. So there's
0: some things going on there that are different than would be in our world. For instance, like Philemon has become a believer and takes the faith back to Colossae, but he still has a slave. Yes. Because that's part of the culture of the world that was then. And it was kind of normal. So even though he'd become a believer in Christ, he still owned Onesimus. And Onesimus then runs away, in some kind of way, and he becomes a follower of Christ. Probably both of them through the influence of Paul, and Paul is now sending him back home, right? Which is a tough task. Like, okay, you're you got to go back to the guy that you ran away from and you stole from, right? And we're also going to find
1: out that Paul's not only asking him to forgive uh, Onesimus for running away and stealing, but he's also asking him to free him from his slavery.
0: So is that the kind of, those things we're talking about, the beginning of the movie that's not all written here, that, that, are there? Is there more to the beginning of the movie about the relationship with, probably with Paul and others that would help us get context as we dive in here to the, the the one chapter book of Philemon, which is the middle of it. Anything else that we could help understand?
1: Well, I just think that um, the way I envision it, Paul is under house arrest. That means that he is in chains, maybe a chain to a Roman guard. And all of the supplies that he needs to live, though, are not supplied by the Romans. He He has to get those from his friends. And so the way I envision it is that because Paul in the letter to Philemon says, Onesimus was useful to me. And by the way, Onesimus, the word means useful in the original language. And so I believe that Onesimus might've become Paul's gopher, you know, Hey, could you go out and get the food for the week? Or, uh, we need water or we need this, or I need some clothing, I need this or that. And I, I believe that that's possible that Onesimus may have become the one that helped Paul gather the things he needed while he was under house arrest.
0: That house arrest sounds like a raw deal. I mean, you pay for your own jail. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it yeah. sounds like to me. And uh, did you think they had to that he had to provide food for his guard as well? I mean, I don't how to, I, I don't it know how that worked.
1: All I know is that Paul probably converted that guard
0: before the end of the house yeah, arrest. No <laughs> doubt to be chained to Paul, man, you better just p- plan to become a Christian. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's pick up the story in in the book of Philemon. It's a little one chapter book, and we'll start in verse one. And as you said, it it mentions the context where it begins. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. We're gonna learn a lot about Timothy later. To Philemon. So he's writing from Rome to Colossae. And in context, that is from you if you picture Rome and in Italy to modern day Turkey. It's a long distance, so this this relationship. Yeah, like fifteen hundred miles. Okay, it's longer than I thought. Yeah. It's far. It's a long distance, yeah. Yeah. So our our daughters, we have a couple of daughters that are a thousand miles away. That's child's play. Yeah. Especially and, since we can hop on a jet and get there in two hours. And yeah, uh, this, so was, this
1: this meant seas tra- uh, traveling over mountains, all sorts of stuff.
0: Wow. To okay. deliver this letter. So, yeah. so he, and it's, it's really cool that Paul has these relationships that he's built over time in a variety of ways. So he says to Philemon, our dear brother, I'm sorry, our dear friend and fellow worker. Also to Aphia, our sister, who's, who's she? That was um,
1: most probably uh, Philemon's wife. And then Archippus, who's ne- mentioned next, was his son.
0: Oh, okay. So he's, he names all of them and says, to the church that meets in your home. So there's the house church. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So a nice a nice greeting there. He's getting things going and he's he's building that relational capital he's had with them. He goes on in verse four. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all His holy people, and your faith in the Lord Jesus. Really building up Philemon, isn't he? He is. Yeah, yeah. I pray he, that he does your, that throughout this
1: letter. By the way,
0: he goes on. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for our sake, of, for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Uh, so he's really looking at him. I, I, it's some, he uses some terms about his relationship with Philemon. They're pretty interesting. What, what are yeah. some of those terms that you know about? Well, I just
1: noticed that Paul is such a diplomat in this letter. He's writing to two people who are conflicted. He's trying to bring them together. And he um he's telling each of these people how much he loves them and how much he respects them and how much he cares for them. He calls him in verse seven, uh I've derived comfort from your love, my brother, um uh, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you and then in verse seventeen, he calls my layman his partner uh yes, and then Uh, Going back to verse 1, my fellow worker, so he's pouring out all this praise upon uh, Philemon and really reinforcing their relationship as he's about to make a hard ask.
0: Yeah, he's going to make a super hard ask of him. and So he's using, I think, that, I don't know if it's flattery necessarily, but it it seems their true relationship. To call somebody your your partner in the faith, your fellow worker, your dear friend, and your brother. And in verse 19, Mark, he says, uh, to say nothing of you
1: owing me, even your own self. Yeah, what's that about? I I don't even know whether that means that uh, Philemon wouldn't have been saved if it weren't for the Mm. Apostle Paul. Or maybe there was something else that happened that uh, Paul saved his life somewhere along the way. I mean... Uh, do you have any idea?
0: No, I don't. But there, I, there's a lot of history in here. Again, again, it's this isn't just the middle of the movie. It's like the middle scenes yeah. of, of the movie because we just don't know what happened there in their past. What what I think is happening is that is that Paul's utilizing all of that that mm-hmm. backstory, yeah, and reminding Philemon that they are together for the cause of Christ. And and here comes the hard ask it begins in verse eight. Mm -hmm. He says, therefore, although in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Interesting statement that Paul had that, that sort of authority or at least perceived authority in Philemon's life. He thought he could order him to do what he's asking him to do here.
1: He was the father. He called himself his father, you know, in faith, you know, so he brought him to faith and I I think he he felt like well, in that culture especially, the dad has authority.
0: Yeah, and and so Paul, and we'll learn as we go through the book of Acts, Paul planted these churches, and it wasn't just like planting a church like in the modern world. We live in Fishers, Indiana here. It's a, a suburb of a well, suburb. It's a city that's connected to the the Greater Indianapolis area. And so 100,000 people in in fishers, and churches get planted all the time. There's one being planted down the road from us, you know, right now. It happens all the time. But when Paul went in, there were no churches. Mm -hmm. And so he he planted Christianity in these places and became, and so it gave him some, it gave him some strength, some authority, some capital through which he could work. So he says, "I, I could order you to do it verse 9 yet i prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love it is as none other than paul an old man and now a prisoner of christ jesus that i appeal to you and it's going well so far until he reads the next phrase for my son onesimus this had th- that phrase he, i would picture him stopping the reading of the letter for the moment, perhaps, or I don't know how this would have been done, or if Onesimus, who's who's carrying the letter, would have read it to him. I, yeah, I don't, I don't the, know how this The way I picture place. this
1: moment is that Paul sends Tychicus, and we, we know that Tychicus was with him when he came to Colossae uh, because of the Colossians chapter 4. But I, I envision uh, Tychicus, first of all, Saying, "Hey, just read this letter first before you kick us out," you know, uh, when they get to Philemon's house. And my
0: my nephew Abraham always says, "Hear me out." Hear, yeah, hear he, me he has, out. He a yeah, <laughs> he, hear, hear me out first. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, it's fair. We'll and, we'll hear
1: you out. <laughs> and so Philemon gets to this part in the letter, and he's like, "I appeal to you from my child Onesimus." He says, "Onesimus, Paul thinks you've become a Christian. Is that?" even possible. And I don't go much for these fast conversion schemes. You know, uh, I know what you've been like in the past. Uh, I'm not even going to necessarily believe that this is true. I think that might've been his first impression.
0: Interesting. Interesting take. So I appeal to you for my son, Anesimus, who became my son while I was in chains, converted Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become, and you say that the word Onesimus means useful. Useful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he has now become useful both to you and to me. He has now become Onesimus both to you and to me. Right. Interesting play on words that he uses there. I am sending him, Onesimus, who is my very heart, back to you. I I find it interesting because he used all these terms to talk about Philemon but he uses a bunch of terms to talk about Onesimus, the runaway slave as well, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, he calls him, uh, in the ESV it says, my child, but it's. I noticed in the NIV it was son. And verse 12, my very heart. And then we go on later on into verse 16. Uh, He's a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So um, Paul's really laying on the affection and love here
0: and and the affectionate terms that's, for, that's a, for both of them it's it's really incredible to to see this kind of reconciliation trying to be worked out right here in, in the midst of it it's no small thing that he's he's asking he, yeah so it, when he's saying work it out I mean it's the the work of reconciliation is a tough work isn't it it is it's sometimes
1: I feel like reconciliation. In my ministry over the last forty three years is a greater miracle even than someone getting healed from cancer or something like that. you oh, see what do
0: you mean about that?
1: Well, you see families that uh, they won't talk to each other for twenty years, neighbors that won't talk to each other even till death. Um, you see relationships that get broken, and people just cannot get back together. The hurts are too big,
0: and especially somebody who's wrong to you yes, stolen from you in this yes. case.
1: Yes. And so the way I look at this is if you think of a triangle and um, Paul's one corner of the triangle, one, one edge, and uh, Onesimus is one and Philemon is one, uh, Paul's got a very strong positive toward Philemon, a very strong positive toward Onesimus, but Onesimus and Philemon have a very strong negative between them. And he's trying to make his positive between both of these people. Equal and a positive between Philemon and Onesimus too, so the, the relationship will no longer be, so that the triangle of the relationship will be incongruence, and he's using all the power he has, all of his authority, but it's interesting he uses love more than anything to try and try and make this reconciliation happen.
0: And it, but it's not an automatic even among believers. No, and and that's why he's not. He didn't just do like a couple lines here and say. Hey, here's Onesimus, welcome him back. I know you all. You're a Christian. Yeah. He's building this case for why he should welcome back Onesimus in this kind of way. He says it in verse 17. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Now, Mark, I want to talk about this for a minute. He, he, you told me a moment ago that Paul was like a father to him. And that Onesimus was like a slave to him. Actually, mm-hmm. not just like a slave; was a slave to him. He's telling him to welcome his slave as you would welcome your dad, your spiritual father, the founder of your faith. Yeah. In other that, words, it's
1: not a small ask. Yes. No. In other words, you know, if you've got a guest room in your home, don't send him down to the slave quarters. Let him stay in your guest room have him to your dinner table, fix your nicest food, you know, um, give him the nicest robe. If you if you, you know, supply your guests with a robe to where he's asking for him to roll out the red carpet for this guy that he, that wronged him so much.
0: And before we easily say, well, it was slavery is wrong. We need to think in our own lives, people who have wronged us and spoken harshly about us and that we hold a grudge against. And, variety of things placing ourselves in the story i think
1: right and yeah this is a tough story for our modern age because slavery was a little different back then um and i don't know if we want to go into all that right now but it it's it was a despicable thing but in the same time it was so normative to their culture that um when we talk about it it's a little bit it's a little bit hard to relate it to our modern culture,
0: and so for us to relate it, I think we just need to think about where, where we've had relationships that have been broken, and and there's the silent treatment for decades, and and uh, or we just ignore others or or speak harmful things about them on social media or whatever, or whatever, whatever the case might be, and that helps me at least place myself in the story. Yeah. Verse eighteen, read verse eighteen for me, and tell me what that what that's about.
1: It says, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. So this is where I get the idea that he probably not only ran away, but also stole from him. And um I also see here uh like a gospel message hidden in this. In the same way that Jesus pays the debt that we cannot pay through his death on the cross, uh Paul is willing to pay any debt that uh, Onesimus owes by layman because he knows that Onesimus doesn't have the ability to pay it himself.
0: Mm. So I see a hidden gospel message in there. Yeah, that's pretty amazing because when we think that somebody has wronged us so badly that there's no way I'm going to forgive them, wait a minute, what has Christ done for us? Yeah. In the in the midst of our brokenness, our sinfulness, what has he done for us? And that there is a a gospel message in there. I I
1: love that. And and Mark read on the n- verse nineteen, Paul not only says he's charged it to my account, but then he says, I Paul write this with my own hand. You know, uh, apparently he was dictating the letter. Uh, but you know, then this part he says, I'm going to write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of you owing me even your own self. So
0: I always love when people say not to mention, and then they mention it. (laughs) I I just think that's a good phrase. And that was even used way back in the day. And he says, no, I'm not going to bring this up, but here's the fact you owe me yourself. But he he did say, I will pay it back. And, and that's how much. So Paul, Paul valued Onesimus as a brother. And that's, and so we've kind of, We're coming close to the end of this this small book in the Bible, and we're coming close to what I call the end of, as you mentioned, the middle of the movie. Mm -hmm. What do we what do we know about the end of the movie and in the life of either Philemon or Onesimus as they were lived out?
1: Yeah, well, Justin Martyr um, talks about Onesimus, the bishop of Ephesus, and um, there's also evidence that. Philemon may have become the Bishop of Colossae. Well, anyway, we also believe that because Tychicus and Philemon, Tychicus and Onesimus were delivering this letter to Philemon, that on this trip, they probably dropped off the letter to the Ephesians, they dropped off the letter to the Colossians. And toward the end of his life, Onesimus probably became one of the people that compiled Paul's letters, the letters of Paul that we have in the canon and
0: the canon. Give me that. What's uh, that word mean?
1: That just means I, the poof. scripture of the New Testament, you know, the, the New Testament scripture that we consider to be authoritative.
0: And so the books we have in our Bible is what the canon yes, is. Okay.
1: Yes. I believe that the reason this book got in the Bible was by layman's like, I'm going to throw that baby in there because it's a great story of uh, reconciliation, and it's my personal story, and I'd like it to get in there after he became a bishop. And when you think of this story, going from a slave to a bishop, it's it's quite amazing. And uh, we aren't 100% positive that he ended up being the bishop of Ephesus, but there's a lot
0: of evidence that that's, that's what happened. Let's chase that for a minute. So, if Onesimus, the former slave, becomes the bishop of Ephesus, and his master, a wealthy businessman, becomes the bishop of Colossae, and these cities are both in what we'd call Turkey today, a mm-hmm. hundred miles apart, hundred miles apart. So, they truly are then brothers. Yes, they're 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 co equals. They're they're bishops over a network of house churches in these cities, most likely right and that's that's a phenomenal ending to the story and so that's why i believe the reconciliation was successful
1: because of you know the fact that this is in here we don't they don't tell us the end of the movie we don't see the end of the movie but we have church tradition and history to help us fill in some of the
0: the details so if if that is the ending mark what does that say to us in terms of relationships in our lives, broken relationships, reconciliation that we're called to in our lives, and what that might result in.
1: Well, like Jesus said, to me it means, you know, take a look at the log in your own eye before you look at the speck in someone else's. And I think that Paul was encouraging both of these men to do some self-examination and he was doing it in a very diplomatic way and then putting as the centerpiece the cross of Jesus Christ and saying, "Hey, hey, you know, you have, you do not deserve salvation in any way, but Jesus died so that you could have it. So if he died for you and all the sins that you've committed in your life, why can't you forgive your brother? And so to me, it's a the main thing is here is the story of reconciliation, and it's a beautiful story. I,
0: I love that. I love that analysis. And here we have this little book. And it's it's kind of often forgotten. It's small, but it could be the centerpiece of why we not only have the book of Philemon, but also why we have the book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians if they carried them. And you'll see the same cast of characters in the last few verses of Eph- uh, I'm sorry, Philemon, as you do in the last verses of Colossians. I mean, they're just mentioned over and over. Yeah, why and don't some you read them, those verses, yeah. Yeah, um, it says in, in Philemon, uh, it's just one chapter, but in verse 23, you're listening to these names, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Send you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. So those names, Epaphras, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, And if you look over in Colossians chapter 4 and pick it up at verse 7, and one name that I left out was um, Tychicus, who's in there. And so if you go to chapter 4 of Colossians, these names are mentioned. It's in chapter 4, verse 7, 10, I'm not going to read them all, 12, 14, Tychicus, Aristarchus, Mark, Demas, Epaphras, same people, Luke,
1: and Mark, there's another little hidden gem in here Yeah, he mentions, and so do Mark. Well, that's John Mark, the one that Paul himself refused to travel with after he, he deserted them on the first missionary journey. Reconciliation's happening Reconciliation's right there. Reconciliation's happening with yeah. Mark and Paul. And that's because why else would he send uh, my fellow worker? So he's now working with Mark again. So there's another hidden gem of reconciliation
0: yeah I, I love it, and you think about so this little this little tiny book may hold some clues to why we have not only the Book of Philemon and Colossians and Ephesians, but possibly the entire New Testament as as it's which books or which letters or which things were that were being collected ended up as scripture, and that's a remarkable outcome for reconciliation. I suppose Philemon could have said, no, get back here. You're my slave. You owe me everything and forget it. And ripped up the letter, but apparently didn't obviously didn't. Cause we have a, uh, the copies of it that end up being in our new Testament. And here we have this reconciliation taking place. That's a, a beautiful and a remarkable thing. Well, Mark, I just want to thank you so much for, for walking us through this. I mean, you've, You've done quite a bit of work on it in your life, and I am, I'm grateful for for your interest and expertise in helping me understand this little book in some some new and fresh ways. So, well, thank you, brother. It's,
1: it's been a real privilege, and I know the the people at my little rural Missouri church have already asked me for your podcast, Mark, and they're going to be listening not only to this, but Probably other podcasts and all the poems and devotionals and sermons that Fisher's puts out. So it's just a phenomenal ministry that
0: you have here through these podcasts. Well, that's, that's amazing. So if you can get three people to listen to him, we'll we'll double our ratings. Is that right, Doug? <laughs> there we there we go. Well, folks, thank you for listening today. And next week we're going to explore the book of Galatians. I'll be back with my partner Ben Greenbaum. We'll look at the book of Galatians, which is the region where all of this takes place, where Colossi takes place, and the first missionary journey was happening. And if you want to stay up to date with our Beyond Mission podcast, we encourage you to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, may God bless.